just I'm, I'm gonna just try to take this seriously so we get done in under two hours because you know according to Tim we're we're taking much too long on every single episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, all right, guys. Uh, week two is in the books. Uh, the Don Wands are back with a little spicy take Tuesday. Um, I'm your host Mike, and I'm joined by John. Yep. And Tim. So I must I must say, Mike, I like how you always introduce me before Tim. Well, we're going in order of necessity, so you kind of do make sense ahead of Tim. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, guys, we have a fun one on the books for today. We're going to do a little bit of a week two recap. So we're going to spend uh, five to eight minutes kind of just looking back at the week, some things we noticed, some people we might be interested in looking at closer. Um, and then after that, we're going to be reevaluating the running back landscape for Dynasty. Um, as a reminder, we're doing 0.5 PPR. We evaluate from a two QB perspective for our leagues, but again, that's not really going to factor in. The only thing that matters for our rankings is the fact that we are looking at 0.5 PPR, which is giving bumps to running backs. Um, so with that being said, we're going to try to get through um, kind of the, the RB1. So that's going to be one through 12. And I think we have a couple of honorable mentions depending on how we're doing on time. Uh, and I think there's going to be a couple of risers and shakers. I know that we have been talking about where we had people before the season started and obviously two weeks in, we don't want to overreact, but this was the week of a uh, Sunday, bloody Sunday in the NFL with just an absolute boatload of injuries. So I think it's definitely worth looking at um, a little bit closer and then seeing how our evaluations are changing kind of just based on the information we have now. Uh, so that being said, I'm going to actually hand it to you, Tim, is there anything in particular that you were looking at this week, uh, recapping any of the games, players that you might be interested in looking at as buys and or just interesting general thing? Uh, one interesting thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, I stumbled on a post on Reddit and someone had brought up that uh, Robbie Anderson had a pretty good couple of games to start the year. And that got me thinking what other players have left Adam Gase's system and, you know, they're now fantasy relevant. And it looks Most like Tannehill, Tannehill had a resurgence, <laughs> Kenyon Drake, and Robbie Anderson. Devontae I'm sure there's Parker. more. De- yeah, Devontae, Devontae Parker. Parker. Uh, I was going to say, I just did a brief look, and I was thinking, what are the odds that Sam Darnold is not a bust and it is just Gase? Because I think that Darnold's faults are his own. He has clearly shown that he makes his mistakes all by himself, but Gase does him no favors. So I want to know, do you guys think that Darnold is salvageable? after Gase is fired. John, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's he's still what? He's only like 23, mm-hmm. right? And he's had pretty much a different coach every year, right? Yeah. And I mean, we see what happens with everyone that leaves Gase's system. Um, I mean, I just think it's important for these young guys to have someone who's going to develop them the right way. I mean, look at Baker Mayfield. He came out firing and everyone thought he was going to be great. And then Freddie Kitchens kind of ruined him. So I think even like the, because I think Baker's more talented than Donald, but just look at what a bad head coach can do. So I I think he's, yeah, I think he's going to be fine if if Gase leaves. Fair point. Um, Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I see one of two things. Actually, this is a really great topic to bring up, Tim. I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, the first thing is I'm starting to get to the point where I have a hard time buying quarterbacks that are on like bad developing teams. And what I mean by that is I look at people like Baker. I look at people like Darnold. I look at, you know, historically somebody like even Mariota. I understand it was a little bit different with him in the Bucks and uh, Winston with the Bucks. But the thing that I think about is, you know, how much can you develop some of these quarterbacks to get out of their – funk and to get them pro ready and it's kind of like the same issue that i see in mayfield is that darnold has really good intangible skills like he's still athletic but he's a decision maker and clearly he needs pieces around him to be successful so if gase leaves yes uh i think he would be doing better i think that's easy to do because gase is just fantasy doom um but to go along with that i think the other thing that we have to evaluate too is what if he gets rosened because this is a team that can easily get two wins. And the question is, what What if they get two wins for whatever reason? Because the Jets love Gaze. Gaze sticks around, and what if they trade Darnold? I mean, there's a place I can see this going. Yeah, and draft Lawrence, you're saying? <clears throat> I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I think so. Kind of – sorry, just one thing, Tim. Uh, like, going off what you said, 
you know, I, I kind of think that he's, you know, he's been making these mistakes for so long and no one's really helped him develop. He almost needs like a reset year like Winston to go sit on the bench for a year behind a good quarterback and a good system and almost like start his career over. I, I yeah. agree. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think it's weird because Darnold is a, a great example of a quarterback that shouldn't have started immediately. Um, yeah. You know, he started with Todd Bowles as his coach in 2018. Uh, he was 20 years old when he had his first start. He couldn't even buy a beer legally. So he was very, very young, and he would have been somebody that uh, has the intangibles to have been a lot better. I mean, at this point, this doesn't make me a buyer. But, yes, I, to your point, Tim, if Gase was gone, this is interesting. And I think it's going to be a race to see where Lawrence goes. Because another team that you wouldn't have said a week or two ago – Granted, we're only two weeks of the season. You wouldn't have said a team like the Vikings are in the Lawrence sweepstakes, and right now the Vikings look awful. So we're going to have to see how some of these teams shake out. I just wanted to add, if Gase gets fired, I think that gives them a better chance of drafting Lawrence than if Gase stays. Even though if Gase stays, they do worse. But usually, uh, again, I'm talking a little out of my ass here. I don't have the stats in front of me. But usually a new head coach wants their quarterback. Whole new regime comes in. They will be. Uh, there will be a lot more uh, chance of them drafting Lawrence because they want to get their guy. Sam Darnold is some other guy's pick. They don't care. I don't so disagree with you. Yeah, I agree. I'm. I'll tell you this since we're going to have to associate a value to it. Um, I'm not. I'm not paying a second for him right now. To be honest no. with you, I'm, I don't. I mean, I just. I can't do it. I can't do it. He's been a, a bottom. He's been a bottom five quarterback in the league. Uh, since really his rookie year, he actually did show some promise. But since then, he's been a bottom five quarterback. Yeah, so. I mean, he, he goes along with even like what happened to Rosen. Like rookies are going to make mistakes. It all depends on who's there to develop them and teach them to not make those mistakes again. And if you just let them keep making the mistakes, they're just, you know, they're not going to be good. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't disagree with you at all. I want to make sure that we're keeping this moving with headlines. Um, I guess my interesting thing for the week that I wanted to to talk on, uh, this is, I guess, only as relevant as, um, you know, where your team is in terms of how deep your league is. But I think one thing I want to hit on with all the injuries that happened this week is I think a lot of the listeners um, are going to be thinking about whether or not they should be burning waiver priority claims on some of these running backs, potentially keeping them, potentially flipping them. Um you know, who, who's the guy to own? I have to say, there to me, there's a lot of fool's gold this week. Um, if you have rotating waivers, like in, in other words, if you put a claim in and then you go to the back of the line, if you use your claim, um, this is not a week. I it, Personally, I, I haven't decided yet for our league, so I'm not going to just give away my strategy here. But I think it's very likely that people are going to burn waiver picks on people that are going to be not useful in two weeks. Um one of the few exceptions to this, honestly, I will say I'm avoiding the giant situation because they just got Freeman. They have Dion Lewis and, and Saquon Barkley couldn't run behind that line. And he's, you know, it's a completely different ball game relative to everybody else. But, uh, you know, the only guy that I'm looking at, and I think he might have some interesting appeal is Jarek McKinnon. And the only reason I'm saying this is because I think even when the other guys get healthy, he's still going to have his PPR role as the receiving back, which gives him a good moderate flex appeal. Whereas I think these, you know, the Giants guy, you're going to have a guy that you don't ever feel great about starting. And I think in the case of Mike Davis, Mike Davis is probably going to be a good fill-in. And I'm not saying it's not valuable to have him for four weeks. Maybe he does really well. Maybe you can trade him to somebody. But I think, you know, when McCabry comes back, he's going to be ghosted. He's not going to see the field again. So you need to really think about where your team is and where you want to burn a spot if you want to burn it in week two. I anticipate with the season we're going to have a lot of injuries, and I think there's going to be a lot of guys going out, and you're going to have to start thinking about when you want to burn that claim. So that was just my interesting thing for the week. What are your guys' thoughts around that? Well, it's it's weird because it's almost like I was texting both of you guys about that about 10 minutes ago. Um, but I agree with you, and the only reason, like I was saying before, the only reason I would get a guy like Mike Davis would be to immediately try and flip him to the guy who has McCaffrey. Um, unfortunately, in our league, I am playing the guy who has McCaffrey this week, so I'm not <laughs> going to trade him Mike Davis. But, yeah, it's a tough decision because I, as much as I want to try and flip Mike Davis to that guy, there's no guarantee he does that, and then I just wasted a claim for nothing. So I, I agree with you. 
the only thing I wanted to add to that was um, you mentioned that you want to save it for someone that's worthwhile. And again, I'm, I'm sure someone will come up. You will get the priority waiver claim if you need it. But uh, it just felt to me like for all you video game players out there, when someone gives you a, uh, a usable item and you save it and you save it all game and you're waiting for the right moment and you keep saying, mm, this looks really good, but this isn't the right moment. And you save it to the end and you realize you never actually use it on something that was worth using it on. So, yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> I think that's a risk. And And listen, we're talking about calculated risks, right? I'm I'm risking that like let me give you an example. If I'm claim five, I'd rather move up to claim three or two, knowing that Mike Davis and potentially Devonta Freeman are gonna get burned because I still have roughly eleven weeks left in the year I can make my claim. It's a strategy based decision and you have to weigh opportunity like opportunity costs on how long you're gonna get somebody, right? Because you're trying to maximize how many usable weeks you have out of them. So to your point, if you wait till week 10, you're only getting potentially a usable person for three weeks. It's, it's not as valuable. And like, that is part of the decision that you need to play. And it also, it also depends on who's on your team. Like right now I have enough running backs where if I got, if I picked up um, Davis, I literally, he would just be on my bench. And if I flipped him, I could flip him. If I didn't, he's just like, he's not going to start for me either way. So like for me, I, I wouldn't waste a waiver claim on him. And you also you also got to think like like a couple of years ago when I picked up Boyd like as the season goes on there could be a, a younger guy who hasn't broken out yet that has a couple of good games and if you're saving that waiver wire pick you can get him up and he could be on your team for like Boyd's been on my team for the past three year, or two years right so like right. that's how I think about it I don't disagree at all okay I don't want to harp on it I know that we have a lot of things to kind of get to here. So that was just going to be my one item for news on the week. Uh, John, what about you? Do you have something that you want to share at this point before we go on Arby's? Yeah, I'll do a quick one. Um, I just think, I mean, I don't know how low you can actually buy this guy, but um, Allen Robinson hasn't been playing that well. Um, and a couple of things are going on. I know he wants to be traded, and there's just been, like, a lot of negative talk going on. And then he comes out and has, a, I think he had, like, three catches for, like, 30 yards or something. So I think now would be a good time to, you know, send an offer out because he is, I mean, he's really good in PPR especially, but in my opinion, three things could happen. One, he actually gets traded and that's a huge boost for him because Trubisky is just not, I mean, he gets 10 targets a game, but they're just awful throws. Uh, two, Foles comes in, also immediate boost. Or if Trubisky stays, he's just, he could have a similar season to last year, which I mean, no one's complaining about really. Um, so just for me, I think, he'd be a good guy to go after right now. I think a yeah. lot of people uh, were having trouble on that offense. Like I own uh, Tariq Cohen and Anthony Miller in another league. And I think Miller got blanked last game and yeah, you know, Trubisky can't hit anything. So he's not checking down. He's uh, like, we were talking about Tyrod last week. He's going to tuck it and run it rather than check it down. So you know, everyone on that offense is suffering. It's just a just shit show. It's, it's- it's frustrating how I feel like they've played two pretty bad teams and they've won. And I feel like Trubisky's stat-wise is playing well enough to keep his job, but not doing anything really better than last year. Yeah, The Bears are just good enough that they're probably not going to have a chance at a quarterback this year, which is kind of a purgatory they've been in now for a couple of years. That's yep. going to be a very interesting situation. I'm not a, a – uh, Nagy believer, Nagy, whatever, however you say his uh, name. Just not a fan of him as a coach. Um, whatsoever. And to your point, he, you know, Robinson is an interesting buy because he had such a good year last year. Um, but again, you are taking the risk that you're betting on him getting traded. I would put feelers out. He's a good buy low person. And I'm sure that in a couple of weeks, we're going to have to look more closely at serious buy lows. We'll probably do a whole episode on it at some point, I think, um, for both rebuilding and for people that are going for it. But with that being said, um, I, I want to make sure we have enough time here to go into the RBs. Um, yeah, let's, let's get into that. All right, you guys go with that. So here, here's how I'm thinking we're going to approach this for listeners. Um, we all have our list of kind of 12 to 14, 15 running backs. Um, I'm going to share my list in my tiers, and then we're going to go around the horn to see where you guys have these guys slotted in relative to me. And we'll just kind of discuss them as necessary based on what we're seeing that we think makes them move. Does that go with you guys? Yep, that works. Cool. All right, so um, what this ultimately ended up becoming for me as I did it was four tiers I noticed um I think tiers is just a very useful way of 
trying to understand where I want a player uh, and where there's a break and I'm willing to bounce to another position, I would say the best time to utilize tier references is in startup drafts when you're getting to the end of your tier. Um, it's more important to think about whether or not you want to burn into the next tier of a player and where you want to kind of stand tight. Um, so with that being said, um, I'll go ahead and I'll get into my tier one. And my tier one is only one player. Um, it did used to be two players. Uh, and that is, regardless of the ankle injury, I'm still going to have McCaffrey here at one. Uh, he's just – his floor is so good, guys. He's still very young, and he has his contract. So, you know, regardless of what Bridgewater brings to the table here, if they move away from Bridgewater, I mean, I still am not scared of McCaffrey, and I think he's going to still come back and be very good, and he's very um, safe. He has like a very strong floor. Um, I, I don't, there's not a lot of holes in his game that I'm seeing right now, aside from the fact that Bridgewater is his quarterback, isn't the greatest thing. Then again, he put up a historic year last year with Kyle Allen as his quarterback. So that shouldn't matter. Um, you know, John, where do you have McCaffrey? I mean, I have him at one, two, for all the same reasons. I don't really think there's much argument here unless Tim has some. <laughs> erotic list that he hasn't shared yet but uh yeah i agree Damn. Uh, same here it's a uh, self-explanatory christian mccaffrey's here great talent home run threat receiving ability everything he's you know the perfect running back in the modern nfl yeah, yeah. he should be he should be arguably the person we spend the least time on because it's the most obvious guy but because yeah. i did bring up tears did you guys break into tears or did you just have your list because i wanted to talk about if anybody else is touching this tier for you guys or mentally if you think somebody would be i mean i just have my list um but for the whole tears thing i mean the next couple guys are close but i don't think anyone's in his tier really he's he's in a tier of his own Okay, I agree. Um, and Tim, you said you had him at one as well. Uh, yeah, and also for the tiers. Um, I mean, I, I roughly have tiers as just kind of an idea. Um, so McCaffrey, guys, is my number one. Um, and he's, like I said, my only person in tier one. So I'm going to be looking at tier two next. Uh, and my, <clears throat> my number two running back um, is Elliot. And this is a little bit of a change uh, moving Elliot up into two. And I want to say, even though Elliot's my number two, like I don't, I don't feel good about it. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but I think Elliot just has so much tread on his tires and he's on a team that, I mean, now they can throw a lot. It's a great team around him. I just, I don't know why there's something about him that like, I'm not going out and I'm not paying four firsts for him. If that makes sense. If I was in a startup, I value him as the second best. He's only 25 still. But I will say, like, Elliot is my two. I don't feel great about it, but that's where I have him. Uh, okay. Uh, is... Sorry, you go, John. You're the Cowboys fan. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Mike, I'm very happy you uh, you said that. But is the only reason you have him above Barkley because of the ACL? So, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll get into Barkley in a second. But Barkley Barkley's my number three. Here's, here's the thing with Barkley. I actually was looking um, online just because people were talking about how devastating the injury it is. There's a couple of things with Barkley that I think we need to start seriously reevaluating. The first thing is when a rookie running back is drafted, you usually are getting their most productive years. And what I mean by that is ages 21 to 24, 25, you're getting the most value. They have the highest ceiling. They have the least tread on their tires. They're the most appealing to people in the community. Right. And for Barkley, if you're buying now, you've actually missed out, you know, 20% of 15, 20% of his career production. If you're buying him at this point, more so than that, he's missed out on probably 15% of his career production because he had a major injury just now. He had an injury last year that hobbled him. Um, you know, so we've seen one really good year. We've seen one year where he was good towards the end, but he had an injury that was bothering him all year. And there's no guarantee he comes back next year and he starts off explosively. I have no doubt he can get back to that point. Um, but I'm just not, you know, he's so expensive. He's so expensive for what you're paying for. People are still going to want three firsts and another good piece to get him right now. And you might not be seeing like really peak Barkley again for a year and a quarter maybe more. It's just a really expensive price for him. I had to drop him to three. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Because, I mean, injuries are starting to become the thing for him. And that's probably just because, I mean, did you, did you see him week one? I think until the fourth quarter, he had like negative six yards. Mm-hmm. Like teams are just queuing up on him and he couldn't go anywhere. So Yeah, and it, it's not even an overreaction because honestly, the team around him is putrid. Yeah. To be honest with you, that line, uh, granted, the line can get better, but here's the thing, right? He was in his third year, so third to fourth year is when running backs start to get extended. And if you're the Giants, I don't doubt they'll extend him because they burned it such a high pick. But I would say that now there's a little bit of a question mark for them on how much they want to spend. Do you want to give him McCaffrey money, $17 million a year? I mean, that team has a lot of holes to fill in. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of question marks around Barkley right now. And his value, it's not even just the ACL and – it's just all of these things culminating, but you know his value has to just take a significant hit. Uh, Tim, what are you, what are your thoughts on on Elliott at two and Barkley at three? I know you're going to get into where you have Barkley. I think you have him even lower. So I um, I have Barkley at two. Just you know the, the up until this point, <laughs> the consensus pick as the number two, at least for most uh, dynasty players. The complete running back package. Uh, the one thing I love about him, uh, I was watching some video on his game tape, and the guy called him a problem solver. He was a good problem solver, and it made so much sense. It was he made the exact right cut, hurdle, spin, juke, a- anything. He would make the right move for the situation, and it really shows on even short runs. Like he'll hurdle a guy, sidestep someone else, and spin out for four yards. Just like that. It's wild to watch. And I ranked him below Christian McCaffrey because he's coming back to probably the most miserable offense in the league. That just is a poor showing all year. But I do have him at number two because, like you said, yes, he's missed out on 20% of his production. But 80% is still a lot. And 80% of a talented player like Barkley, the, the ceiling is absolutely as high as it can be. He's an incredible, incredible player. And... And to be fair, I don't disagree with what you're saying, Tim. It's just the thing is at a certain point, you know, fantasy is about scoring points. And when I say this, what I what I want to point out is Barkley is probably the best running back prospect. Um, you know, to, he's akin to the Andrew Luck of running backs, right? Like Barkley yeah. checks every single box in terms of what you want if you are building a character to play in this sport would be if he's a running back. My issue is that doesn't just translate to points necessarily. Like, is Alvin Kamara the fourth best or fifth best running back in the league? No, he's in the perfect situation. He's used the perfect way, and he's in a very steady spot. So when you look at things like this, you know, Barkley is a talent. Barkley is his ability to have the vision, his ability to jump, hurl, juke, um, his receiving ability. He's a total package. Like, there's no question to me on any of those things. And to be honest with you, this is a good Barkley buying window, but my issue is for what you're going to pay for him. Now you are going to be getting him when he's 24. He'll be 24 when you're getting usage out of him again, coming off Um, an injury, coming off a significant injury. And what were we talking about? Even with somebody like Derrick Henry at 26, all of a sudden he's like, nobody wants this guy. He's 26. I mean, it's just, you're, you're paying a lot for him and you're gonna, you're, you're paying for him. His owners are still in shock over this injury. His owners are still not – they're not going to give him to you for a first. There's nobody that's doing that. No. Um, so you are going to have to pay a lot for him still, and you're not going to get a lot of production um, for at least a year. Could be a year and a half if everything goes well. And that's assuming that the Giants come back and they figure it out so he's not averaging one yard a carry or five yards after contact. So, Mike, everything you just said about Kamara is the reason I have Zeke at two and Barkley at three. And you, you're right that he has a lot of tread on his tires, but he has a great team around him. A lot of great wide receivers, great QB, great offensive line. And he, I mean, he's there for the long term, but he is 25. But they can, he's a very efficient running back, and they can start reducing his snaps and even like putting Pollard in there a little bit. And he's still going to have, you know, top six or seven running back years. But like, he doesn't, he's not a Derrick Henry where, even when he's 26, he's going to be getting the ball 35 times a game. Like, he can get the ball 12 to 15 times a game, throwing a couple catches, and you're you're feeling good about that as an RB1. Yeah. So, that's the reason why I have him at two. It's just his supporting cast is so good. Let, me, let like, me ask you, you – got it. Uh, well, I was just going to say real quick, one thing I observed about him last year, he looked like a little bit slower 
to me like a little bit sluggish. Maybe that's because of the holdout. Did you guys notice that at all? Like, am I cra- going crazy? No, I, I I noticed it, but I think it was just the holdout. Fair enough, Tim. He, he looks good this year. Like way oh, yeah. different than last year. But no, I I had Zeke at three, but uh, it's obviously a very close three. Uh, him and Barkley at this point. You know, again, it's Zeke as the win now. Barkley as the hey man, he could he could be win later if you get him. So I completely see why you put Zeke over Barkley, and I had it for the same reasons. Uh, Zeke at three is um, just the long term deal, great offensive line, and the team around him. It's just a well, dude, situation. even even win later. Knock on wood. I I really don't want to say this because I've been known to hurt many players. Rest in peace, Paris Campbell. Um, he really is never hurt, mm-hmm. Zeke. No, he's not. So he's not. He's really reliable, and that's why he's a two for me. Yeah, he's really even reliable there. Even when later, he's already more reliable than Barkley. And Very I'm true. really hammering down on some wood right now because I would I would cry if the news broke tomorrow that he went down because of me. But it is always a risk when you talk about a player you like. Yeah, he cut um, off his finger, cutting off uh, the part of his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, so they're both in my tier two. My tier two is big. I'm going to say right now my tier two is five running backs. So Elliot uh, leads tier two, and then Barkley is tier three. I'm going to go ahead, guys, and I'm going to go – Wait, into, Barkley's tier Barkley. three? No, no, Barkley's three in tier two. He's Got like it. third overall. Yep, one, two – I I would have five guys in that tier two. So let's cool. see what they are. Okay, so four for me is going to be Kamara. Um, I was thinking about getting spice here, boys. I wanted to cook, but um, I'm going to leave Kamara at four. And I just, <laughs> maybe I'm a little bit, uh, you can say that this is a salty take Tuesday right here, but I was up 28 points yesterday um, with the only person on my opponent's team being Kamara. And I just watched him cook against me and get 33. Uh, lo and behold, I lose the week. Um, this isn't news to anybody, but Kamara is still really good. Uh, this team post breeze is going to still be using Kamara really well. He got his contract. Um, he looks healthy to me and I, I, there's just not a lot of holes in his game, except that as a pure rusher, he, he's not the same pure rusher as McCaffrey, Elliott or Barkley. And that's why he's four for me, but again, safe floor, um, good usage, good team. Even without breeze there, I'm not worried about him. What say you, Tim? Oh, Okay. So, uh, yeah, John, you get introduced first, but this time I get to talk first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, I get introduced first, and you get to say everything else first. All right, that's cool. I want right. to trade. So, so for uh, Kamara, uh, you touched on he'll be fine at that breeze. I just wanted to say last year, even with Teddy at quarterback, he still played really well. Um, he's only competing with Latavius Murray, and even when Murray gets touches, Kamara produces – and his consistency and production is absolutely unreal. He's got two top five seasons, and he was top ten last year. And uh, the last thing, I also wanted to get a little spicy here, but I even have a note. I have him ahead of almost any other player just uh, in that tier because he has such established production. He is so consistent with his high-level production that you can't beat that. And if you try to go, you know, quote unquote potential, that'll get you burned. Like Kamara. Is so Kamara's four for you, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's what I have to say. You're right that, you know, even when Breeze was out, Bridgewater dumped it off to him a lot, but Bridgewater is that kind of quarterback too. You know, I just think I have him at five and I have okay. Clyde Edwards Hilaire at four, just because mm-hmm. I think, same kind of, you know, receiving ability, but I think Edwards Hilaire is a better pure rusher. And he's with Mahomes long-term. Like, there's no question, barring, you know, something unfortunate, there's no question what his future is going to be. And they already have shown a lot of faith in him. Um, they're starting to give him goal line carries. I mean, they're just – they're feeding him the ball. And I just think with Kamara, if Breeze leaves, you even say, like, Winston comes in, he might not – dump it off to him as much. And if he doesn't get those freaking like 10 receptions or whatever he got last night, he's not as productive as just a runner because he is splitting time with uh, Latavius Murray. And I just think like the receptions are really what brings him at like this high of a level. So I got him at five and Edwards Lair at four. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's fair. And that's not, that's not very far off of what I have either. I think that's a very fair assessment. It's just <laughs> – 
to me, no matter what quarterback comes in, Kamara is like a quarterback's best friend. Like, there's no situation where people aren't going to love dumping it. I so mean, is, so, your... is, so is Eckler. Well, well that's, that's fair, I guess. Eckler, <laughs> Eckler is a different level of talent than Kamara too. But I don't, I don't disagree with your your points. Well taken. If they get a rushing quarterback that all of a sudden forgets how good Kamara is, it's a different situation. I would also say with Sean Payton there. Um, Sean Payton will literally bench James Winston if he doesn't throw it to Kamara. So <laughs> that's true. I'm I'm just saying, like you know, it's Clyde Edwards-Helaire and Mahomes for the next freaking mm-hmm. twenty mm-hmm. years. You know, so that's that's the only reason he got the bump. Yeah, and this is very timely because even though Kamara was four for me, also like I said, these guys are all tier two. Clyde was five for me, um, and it, exactly for the reasons you said, we're talking about a twenty-one-year-old. You're going to get his peak production. Um, he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires. Same kind of benefit of a guy like Josh Jacobs, too. Uh, he's tied to Mahomes. He's still coming into his own. Like, there's no reason to think that he can't become a better pure rusher. Um, his, his floor is going to always be safe with his receptions, even if he only gets 60 receptions a year because McCaffrey – or not McCaffrey. Uh, you know, Mahomes doesn't like dumping off as much as some other quarterbacks. But – the thing is, he's he's going to be really productive in this scheme and this system. Uh, he's tied to Mahomes. And, you know, this is, like I said, this is the exact contrast of Barkley, right? Barkley is going to be 24. You get three extra years of Clyde production um, to a team that believes in him. And the hardest thing to really develop for a lot of players is their receiving skill set. For example, McCaffrey wasn't the best running between the tackles when he joined the league. He became elite because he learned how to do it. And even week one, I think we were already seeing that Clyde Clyde can run. Clyde can run, and he doesn't have to be used as a gadget player. He's a legitimate threat as a running back. So to your point, John, he's five for me, and he's kind of soared into this tier already. But there's just so much to get excited about. Yep, agreed. I had him at a five also. Again, for all the reasons that you said, uh, it's pretty straightforward with him. There isn't much more to add. I'd put him ahead of Taylor, though. I just wanted to add, I put him ahead of Jonathan Taylor, even though it seems like they're both put in offenses perfectly made for them. I put in um, Clyde in this spot because of just the level that Kansas City's offense is on. I agree. And and there's like a happy medium of I have seen enough production. And to be fair, like two weeks is enough to say that with some of these players, right? There is something to be said for I've seen this guy do it for a year or I've seen this guy do it for two years. And when I'm building my franchise, like I can't I can't whiff on my first two picks. I, I can't draft someone like Jordan Howard um, who Real isn't fair. a complete package. Yeah, I, I can't build my team around somebody that I don't know for sure is that guy. And for that reason, Clyde is five for me below some of these other guys. But he's a very good marriage of skill set, opportunity, and age. So to that point, I don't have too much else to say on him. I think it is crazy to think how quickly he's gotten here, guys. Um, Before the season, even when he was drafted, I mean, he would have been maybe RB12. And I'm not saying that the two games put him here. I think it's a lot of things that hit right. I think uh, Damian Williams opting out, this team doubling down on him, really helped and I think the fact that people see that he's just going to be the guy this year is just when you don't have to wait a year to push out the incumbent it makes a significant difference in a player value and it's part of the reason that when I we get to Taylor um it's part of the reason Taylor's climbed as much as he has too um with that being said guys I'm going to go into my sixth player unless you have any other thoughts around Clyde you want to share nope I think we should move on yep okay so number six for me and it's my final player in tier two is Dalvin Cook and I think this one is, again, kind of a no-brainer. Dalvin, uh, he got his contract, which was one of the things I was worried about. Um, this is a team that is still committed to him. <laughs> I did see a, f- a funny joke today that said, what do you call uh, the Jets with Dalvin Cook on their team? And it was the Vikings. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, you know, this is a team that looks kind of like all of a sudden a dumpster fire. Um, and Dalvin Cook – you know, the one real knock against him, aside from the fact that there's some moving pieces when you look at his quarterback uh, and some of the young pieces like Jefferson on the team, is the fact that he's had an injury history and it's fairly extensive. And uh, if he had a major injury, if he was the one that tore his ACL yesterday and it wasn't Barkley, Dalvin Cook is not at number six. He's not at number 10. He's not probably, he might be at 12 or 14, like if he tore his ACL, because yeah. he just has too many risks associated with his current injury. I agree. 
And if we could please stop talking about him getting hurt, that would that would make us better. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, I mean the Vikings are they're trash, but he's still getting the ball. Like he still has three touchdowns in two games. And has anyone else even scored on that team? Well, I guess Adam uh, Thielen, but like the Vikings look bad, but he's still putting up decent fantasy numbers. Um, so I, I have him here too. So this is going to be where I wildly differ from you guys. I have Cook at 10 oh because of those injuries. Because he is so injury prone in the last, uh, just what's it called? Going back last year, he had 14 games. Year before that, he played 11. And then he started with four games uh, in a season. He has one 1,000-yard season to his name. It was a great season. Don't get me wrong. He had 13 total touchdowns, 500 yards receiving, and 1,000 yards rushing. But I don't trust the injuries. There's a reason why Madison is probably one of the most popular handcuffs in the league. The dude's also talented and behind one of the most injury-prone backs in the league. Obviously, the Vikings trust him, and they paid him. Uh, but I have him at 10 because I, I don't trust the injury history. Okay, so who okay. Do you, where do we at, five? We're at five? We're at six. Six? Who do you got at six, Timmy? Uh, I have Jonathan Taylor. That's very high. Interesting. You have Taylor higher than me. Yeah. Can I, can I hear why? Okay, so, like I was saying with Clyde, it's on an offense that's just seemingly built for him. They have the big mauling O-line and a coach that is willing to use him in that way. Great talent. He has the draft stock, his second-round pick. He's already producing, and there's no backfield competition. In Achilles' tear that Marlon Mack had, that can be a, not a career-ender, but it really affects your burst, especially as um, you know a scat back or a, you know an elusive back like Marlon Mack is. So not much backfield competition. And I think that Taylor is substantially talented enough to take the starting spot and never look back. This will be his offense from now until, you know, whenever he decides to leave the team or they trade him away. I, I like Taylor. Um, and Taylor is, is pretty high for me too. My problem that I think you're not waiting is two things. One, um, there's too many unknowns. If rivers leaves town Two, the, the second quarterback that gets there is not going to dump the ball six times a game to Taylor, or at least it's just much less likely. So my issue is I'm looking at situations and um, to your point, everything around him looks solid, but until like we know what that quarterback's going to look like, I do have other guys that I have ahead of him because I just think they're more stable situations. Mike, that's exactly what I got. I have him just outside my top 10, like flirting with 11. Um, and just because, all of a sudden he had the six reception game and everyone's like, oh, he can catch, blah, blah, but that's just Rivers. That's just Rivers dumping it off to his running back no matter who's there. Um, so I can easily see him not becoming – well, I guess kind of Jordan Howard because Jordan Howard had a, like a couple good rushing years. But I can easily see him becoming very irrelevant in the passing game um, when a new quarterback comes. And especially they have Naheem Hines too. So it's not like, like they're just not going to stop using him. Um, right. So I have him at number eleven. And to your point, John. So this is the last player in my t- the last player in my tier two was Dalvin Cook. So so Taylor's not in tier two. I'm um, I'm actually surprised, Tim, that you have Taylor over Josh Jacobs, um, because Josh Jacobs is also young. He's proving that he can catch too, um, and he has a more stable situation. Like that regime isn't about to get completely flipped over. I'm yep. I'm very surprised. In that we've already seen a year of Jacobs too. I'm very surprised you have him ahead of him. Um, when we get to Jacobs in a second here, I'm sure I'll hear why. Can I just say, uh, I wanted to put Jacobs in front of him, but, you know, part of me was like, hey, we got this one viewer who loves it when I talk about my guys. So, you know, I'll bump up the back. <laughs> that, that, that one's for the viewer back home. You know who you are. You'll be <laughs> this tomorrow. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, moving on into tier three, guys. The first guy from here in tier three is Josh Jacobs. Um maybe it feels like a no-brainer to me. He's kind of left a little bit of guys that have more proven talent here. Um, But it has to be Jacobs for me because the the team is going to use him a lot. Um, He looks really good. And this is, to Tim's point about a team being built around a guy, this is a team that clearly wants to build around a rushing offense. And Gruden is very old school. So I think he likes the idea of using Jacobs as this catch-all 
um, running back, and he can he can catch. Like we saw at week one, he had I think four receptions for forty ish yards. So you know his floor is very safe on this team, and they're committed to him. And a little bit of a we didn't hit it on the news portion, but Las Vegas looks better than we thought they were going to. They absolutely whooped the Saints last night. I, I think they beat them in every facet of the game. To be honest with you, so um, yeah. Vegas is a good team. So Jacobs is is right outside of that tier two. He's in tier three for me, and he's seven. Uh, I have him there too. Um, and this kind of goes back to what – so we know he can run. Um, and he did – you know, he improved his pass catching ability a little bit on the offseason. And it goes back to last episode when Tim was talking about Chris Carson, how he's now not just, like, catching screen passes. Like, they're, like – they're manufacturing touches for him, and he's running routes. And that's kind of what Jacobs is doing now. Um, the only thing, the only knock I have on him is he, he, he's very tough and he gets, seems like he gets hurt a little bit and he always tries to play through it, which kind of reminds me of the one and only James Conner. <laughs> not that, not that he's to that level yet. Cause he's still a little younger and stuff, but like, that's gonna, he's, st- he's still young where it doesn't matter as much now, but that's, you know, that, that'll hurt you when you get a little older. Um, but I do have him here, same rank as you. So, John, I'm right there with you. With the uh, you know where he's tough, he can play through the injuries, but you hate to see it when someone takes two snaps. They realize, hey, my ankle hurts a little more than I thought. But also, I just want to say yeah. quickly, I have him at seven also. Um, but yeah, John, I I completely see where you're coming from. There was a game last year, or there was a week last year where I benched him. He ended up playing and having a good game, but. He was questionable all week with, you know, like I think he fractured his shoulder and he still played. But I'm like, yeah, I'm not playing him if he has a fractured shoulder. And it was even last night. I mean, he limped after every play. He was limping back in the huddle. And you see him like give the thumbs up. He's like, I'm good to go. And it's like, dude, the game is pretty much over. Just just take the rest of the game off. And he sealed it for him last night, ironically enough. He just ran it right down the Saints throat. And he, he, he yeah. looked good on those last two drives. The Saints he did, could not but- stop him. He did, but then you hate to see him limping back to the sidelines. I don't you know? disagree. I don't disagree. But, but I, I like him here. So And I like him for all the same reasons you said. So yeah. not much okay. more to go. Yeah, and, and to be mindful of time, fair enough. Okay, so uh, still in tier three, my number eight is Miles Sanders. Um, I, I had to think about this one a little bit. And to be honest with you, there is some trouble in River City in Philly right now. I don't know what is going on aside from just the injuries, but the whole drafting a quarterback in the second round by the Eagles to use as like a gadget player, like their version of Taysom Hill, there, there's just some weird things going on. Um, and Sanders clearly has the skill set to be, in my opinion, an elite back. He was still learning the running back portion of being a running back. Like what, when do you take the A gap? When do you take the B gap? Vision, decision-making, understanding when one yard is necessary and not trying to get five at the loss of losing yards. So he's still learning the position in some ways. Um, but to me, you saw his ceiling when he was receiving last year. Maybe that was partially a factor of how few wide receivers they had. But even in his first week back, Sanders looked good this week, to be honest with you. Um, and to me, he's well-rounded. And he is still tied to Wentz. I don't know what's going to be happening in a couple of years with Wentz. You hope that they keep him around. I don't think Wentz is the problem at all. But there is enough questions that he's eight for me. But I do still like him a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. And he looked really good his, his first week back. Um I don't have him here, though. I have him at 10. Um, but I agree with everything you said. It works nicely because I have him at 9. Um, I was going to put him at 8, but I don't know what it was. Just something about the other player had an 8. Do, uh, or I didn't think I should put him over. But Sanders, who's top 14 in points per reception last year, while sharing a backfield for, what, like a third of the year. And, and he missed a game else- or two. Yeah, and yeah. I have a note here saying not everyone is Zeke in the rookie season. Like, just you know, just because you didn't rush for 1,600 yards and have 15 touchdowns doesn't mean that you can't be a stud in the future. And I love how they get him the ball in space. They throw. They hit him um, – or they get him outside. He can run up the middle. He can do it all, and he has the size to do it all. He's 5'11", 212. So I really like his talent, and – the only question mark I have here is, is he producing because he's talented or because there's no other weapons? 
I think he's producing because he's talented. He was still, a, I'm pretty sure, a second-round pick, so it's a team that's committed to him. He played behind Barkley, too. I think he might have gone earlier if Barkley wasn't so heavily featured at Penn State, to be honest with you. Um, and to be honest with you, when you're talking about running backs, it's a marriage of opportunity and talent. Like we were saying this before, he is basically the only game in town, and if they didn't like him, they would have brought in more serious competition than Boston Scott. Um and at the same time, I don't see this regime flipping. Like, winning a Super Bowl gives you a massive cushion. So I don't think Doug's going anywhere, and he's Doug's guy. So there's enough safety here that I'm comfortable with him at eight, and I think he's legit. But I get your point. Yeah, the only reason I have him at 10, because I agree with everything you said. I mean, he's going to get the volume. But the only thing that bumped him down for me was just how bad Phillies looked. Um and if you don't have any receivers – I mean, I know their tight ends are looking really good, but if you don't have any receivers, it's pretty easy to just queue up on the running back and st- start stacking the boxes and stuff. Um, so that's the only reason I haven't bumped down to 10. Yeah. Ten, or like eight, 8 to 10, that's not exactly the biggest jump in the world. No, so. it's, yeah. it's not. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's, it's not, and to be honest with you um, – as I look at this more, I'm just, I'm just like this tier three is a little bit of a mess in the sense that you really this is dealer's choice. So I, you know, eight, nine, ten, they're all very close. So I don't think any of us have super high variance. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and move into nine if it's all right with you well, guys. Uh, I didn't say who I had. Oh, please. I don't do. think Tim Tim didn't need it, right? Uh, I think we're gonna get to him later. So I was no, it's waiting. okay. Go ahead. Uh, I have Aaron Jones. I, I oh, oh. sorry. <laughs> No, you, you uh, I was just saying you, who you I had. Oh, no, I was yeah. just saying I had Chubb, and then I was going to talk about it when we got there. But you go Aaron Jones. Okay. Yeah, I have Aaron Jones. Um, he's a little older. Well, first of all, everyone's always – I feel like he's always undervalued. And then he, he every year he's putting up these freaking 45-point games. It just happened <laughs> to be against me this week, which was very lovely. But, um, you know, Rodgers loves him. He can catch. He can run. Um, he's a little bit older, but – he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires. I feel he like he kind of like he broke out a little late. Um, and I know we were talking about it before. I do think they re-sign him. Um, and even if he just becomes, you know, maybe they cut his carries in half and he's just a receiving back, he can still do a lot with that. Um, so that's why I got him at eight. I was actually okay. tempted to put him on the list. Uh, I was going to put him maybe 11 or 12. I had him in honorable mentions uh, just for the reasons you said. He's supremely talented. The only thing that was holding him back was the fact that he isn't signed, and that's just so up in the air that anything could happen. Like, he could be Melvin Gordon next year. We don't know. Yeah. No, I, I agree there's some risk to it. but he He's always going to have to deal with the fact that he was a fourth-round pick. There's something about the way that dynasty players play. This is the same issue Chris Carson has, for what it's worth. People yep. have this bias against running backs that are they're better than people thought they were when they got scouted. And Aaron Jones is a total victim of this. He was a fourth round pick and people keep assuming that he's going to split and he's not good enough. He can play and he's put up a lot of really strong games. Aaron Jones is 10 for me, John. So eight versus 10, like we're very close on him. Um, I, the only reason he's lower is the, the uh, potential re-signing. And then also the age is a slight ding for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the age or I don't like the age, but um he hasn't really like he doesn't get too many carries you know they don't overwork him um i don't know i just he he's like he's always undervalued like carson and he continues to put up these freaking 45 point games and you you just can't ignore that he's he's going to be that running back that's always more valuable to you than your than whoever wants him from you because they're always going to use the the fourth round bs argument and they're always going to say oh he might not resign or he's 26 27 I agree with you. He's the kind of guy that I actually was talking to a couple of league mates about potentially targeting. Um, this week, I couldn't get anything done, not in our league, in one of my other leagues, um, because I think it, once a guy has a 45 burger, it's hard to trade for him. So Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so um, to that point, my number nine is Jonathan Taylor. I think we already hit on Jonathan Taylor, so I don't want to talk about him too long. Um, again, same thing as Clyde. You're going to get his most productive years. Um, this line is built to play to his style perfectly. He's a really good marriage of opportunity and skill. And I think that there's a lot to be excited about. And the real one con I had on him is, um, you know, who's his quarterback going to be? And then how like legit is this receiving aspect of him? Yeah, I agree. 
That's why I got him at 11. I said all I had to say about him before. I had him at six, which probably is a little too high, but I don't know. I just, I really like him. I think he's going to be a really good back. Fair. Okay. Um, who do you guys have at nine? Tim, you want to go? Uh, I have Miles Sanders, and we just talked about him. Okay. Okay. I got Dobbins. <laughs> all right. Go ahead, yeah, John. Well, I mean, he's he's still behind Ingram for now, but he's still flash. He's got two touchdowns. He had a couple of big plays uh, last Sunday. Um, I just think he's in a set offense. You know, Ingram hopefully most likely is not here after this year. And even this year, I think Dobbins will slowly start to out-touch him and be a very viable flex play. And I think Ingram's gone next year, and I think Dobbins takes off. He's in a set offense. Love the Ravens organization. You know, they have Lamar. I think Harbaugh is a great coach. Um, they do the run play action exactly like he did, a run play option, run pass option, in exactly like he did at Ohio State. And he's just a beast. And I think he's flashing already this year, and he's going to be good. That's fair. I mean, listen, as a Ravens fan, I really like Dobbins. And Dobbins is in my honorable mentions. He's at, actually, he's at 14 for me. Um, there's a couple of things. One of them is the Ravens historically have never, like, even if for whatever reason, Ingram to me is like a heart and soul aspect of the team. I'm not just, I'm not positive. They completely cut him. Yes. He might get more of the lion's share, but I don't know if you saw last week, the stat where it was like 35, 33, 33, or 30, actually be 31 was the split on the running back touches. The Ravens don't really want to give one running back, 60% 60% of the market. So like Dobbins will be super efficient and I like him there, but like, let me give you an example. If this is a startup draft, right? What, what you're basically saying is you would take JK Dobbins, I guess maybe in the second round over a guy like Nick Chubb, which like, I'm just not prepared to do yet. I am. I mean, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. What's what's they're still splitting snaps. Yeah, but, but Nick doing a lot with those snaps. Nick Chubb is is already just a, he's already a freak, and he can do he can, he's going to have a, a like a larger market share regardless of just his receptions. FYI, the Ravens don't really throw to their running backs that much, so like I'm not because faster, more mobile quarterbacks don't dump it off as often is the main reason. Um, but with that being said, it's just like for me, I've already seen Chubb do it for two years. I, I can't whiff on this pick. Like I can't take the risk that Dobbins doesn't break three break free on Ingram for a year or two. Like I love Dobbins. I'm just saying like my strategy here in tier three, like I, I don't have Swift in this tier yet either, to be fair. That's fair. I mean, I uh, think uh, even if like you I like the Ravens seem like that kind of team that would keep Ingram around too. Um but I think it would become then Dobbins and Ingram like it was Ingram and Gus Edwards. Like, I think Gus Edwards and Justice Hill are the two that go. And even if he's, you know, maybe 60-40 with Ingram, I'm still all right with that just because how efficient they are. Um, and they've, they've thrown to him a couple times, and they've come out and said that they want to use him as a receiving back too. So. Yeah, and I, like I said, I, I like Dobbins a lot. It's just, like, I, I can't personally – I can't put Swift that high either. I, I just need – well, that's because Dobbins is better than Swift. No, well, my, I clearly have Swift ahead of Dobbins, but my point is more my bias for either of those players is not going to make me put him at nine. Okay. I'm more of a risky guy, bro, right? No, I know. It's, you're not playing craps here, kid. This part is of the fantasy game. football. <laughs> you, can put, you can put it all in red if you want, but, I mean, I'm just stating facts here. Okay. We don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but so nine for I you. I had him at 13. Just wanted to say. Dobbins. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, so Tim and I are at least seeing a little bit more simile on this. So, but yeah, we're not that far off. But so you would take Dobbins over Taylor at this point too. That's actually kind of surprising as well. Yeah, I mean we're talking dynasty. So <sighs> I, put your... I have a note. I was saying, I have a note that says um, it's true. It's when you rank rookies too highly before they kind of you know have their breakout. That's how you end up with a bust. Like that's that's how you get burned in a draft. But I mean I've. I've watched him the past couple of games, and even though he hasn't gotten that many touches, he looks good. He looks, he looks like he, he looks like he fits right in and, on that offense. He has he has good bursts. Admittedly, every running back has looked really good on that offense. Like even Dobbins had fourteen fantasy points week one, and those two touchdowns were like from a, a couple of yards out. Like I think that 
Gus or Ingram would have gotten them. Not to say that it matters because it, it's revisionist history. Like Dobbins got them, but my point being, like, I think anybody in that scheme would have done it. And to your point, like, that's what you like about them, right? Like, you well, like the scheme. that that, but also like, look what Gus Edwards did, and he's a nobody running back. Now imagine putting an elite running back in his spot. But my point is that there's only so many touches to go around in this offense. Like, for yeah, Dobbins, dude, Gus, Gus Edwards had almost 800 yards a couple years ago right, with that so, limited touches. So imagine that being a good well, running he, But back. Dobbins isn't going to average six yards a carry is my point. Like, let's say Dobbins averages five yards a carry. What if he only has 200 touches a year, 205 touches a year? Like, it doesn't give him the potential to be Elliott or McCaffrey. I think that's just my only gripe. Okay, I mean, that's fair, but I mean, I got him at nine, so it's not like I'm putting him at one. Yeah, I know. But I guess that's why I like Taylor better, too. I think Taylor is just going to be able to get more touches, and I think Taylor's value is going to balloon more quickly because he doesn't have to worry about the guy in front of him. Like, that's why I would have Taylor at nine versus, like, I have Dobbins at 14. That's fair. I just, I kind of rank the organization they're in. I really like the Ravens and the Colts, you know, Rivers, and you don't know what the QB is going to be, and it's just... So that's kind of how I rank that. And that's fair. And it's fair. And believe me, I enjoy hearing about how the Ravens are a good organization. I'm not going to hate on you for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, with that being said, are you guys cool if we go to 10 here? I think we should shoot to get through probably 10 and then maybe an honorable mention of like 11, which would be the last person in my, in my tier just for the sake of time. Is that all right? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Uh, so 10 for me is Aaron Jones. I don't have too much else to say on him. I think I actually hit on most of like my Aaron Jones stuff where he's underrated, good team, think it's likely he resigns. We've seen what he can do. Um, do you guys have thoughts on Aaron Jones, or do you guys want to say you're number 10? I, I already said I like Aaron Jones, so Tim can go. I like Aaron Jones, too. Like I said, um, I had him in my honorable mentions as well. I could see him definitely being in the mix for that, and I have uh, Cook at 10. Right. All right. So that. Yep. Yep. I have I have kind of Sanders and Montgomery tied here. <laughs> you're you're the one with this. Is if Montgomery wasn't on your team, would you have Montgomery? You you take in a startup, you take Montgomery over Chubb. Can you say it to yeah. me in a straight face? Yeah. Why? I'm I'm looking right at you through the screen. Yeah. Why? Why would you take Montgomery? So here's here's what I think. I mean, you got to have somebody that takes a little risk. You guys aren't taking any risk. <laughs> I'll take I'll a risk if it makes 12, sense. Boy. <laughs> yeah. so, so, this is a cornerstone. Sh- sh- let, me, let me go here, Mike. So, the way I see it, I've been watching this film. He looks really good. He looks like he – I mean, he had a decent rookie year. Everyone kind of crapping on him. Um, but he looks a little quicker this year. He has great vision. He can catch. Um, he's, he can potentially be a three-down bell comeback. I think what's going to happen is – remember – with Derrick Henry and the Titans, like, weren't using him at all. And they had Deion Lewis in as a goal linebacker. Like, they weren't using him. I think, you know, like Mike's been saying, they run him out of the shotgun. He needs to be in eye formation, all this stuff. I think they're going to figure out how to use him, and he's going to become a way better running back. So that's why I got him here. I just – David Montgomery had 889 rushing yards as – last year as a rookie granted like again rookie year like i'm willing to say with the bears okay 3.7 yards a carry he he had 185 receiving yards with 25 receptions nick chubb had 1500 rushing yards and 13 and what was it 13 touchdowns eight he had eight rushing and he had i think you're gonna have more of those boomer bust games with chubb with kareem hunt there and kareem hunt just signed long term Montgomery is the guy. No matter what, he's getting all the volume there. And the only reason I think they've kind of started him off a little slower this year is because he was hurt before the season started. He's the guy in Chicago. I, I, I don't know. Nick Chubb has five yards a carry, five point one yards per carry in his career. So I, I don't know, man. It, it's he's so much more efficient with his touches. And even though the Browns are a poodoo organization, like the line is going to continue to get built out. I don't even know what's going on with the bears. Like I just, I don't Monk, I didn't even, it's, I, it's funny. You have him, have him at this high. I didn't even have, like, he wasn't going to be discussed by me tonight. <laughs> like he would have been discussed maybe in two pods. Like I don't think he would have been 20 for me. <laughs> yeah. Someone's got to mix things up a little bit. Can I, I thought it was going to be Tim coming in. 
Yeah, go ahead, Tim. I just one thing yeah, about Chubb, because no, we were shitting on Chubb two seconds ago, or well, one of us was. No, but I was anyway. shitting on Montgomery. Yeah, I know, but one of one of us was shitting on Chubb. I'm not shitting I... on Chubb half squat. I'm just saying <laughs> you his, kind of are. His ceiling is cut in half with Hunt there. Yes, but I'm saying that I believe that his talent exceeds the risk of sharing a backfield. Like, he's that talented, and, you know, he had almost 1,500 rushing yards last year. And, again, five yards per carry. The guy is yeah, incredibly Hunt, talented. Hunt was suspended for half a year. Well, this now year, I'm pretty sure they're both top ten. In... They're still both top ten running backs right now. And Chubb's averaging 92 yards per – I mean, it's only two games, but he still is averaging 92 yards a game this year. He averaged 93 yards a game last year, and that's just rushing. That's not even receiving. All right, so I'll give, I'll give my man an honorable mention at 11. Right. <laughs> the fact I just it's, I'm I'm absolutely blown. Like if you didn't have David Montgomery on your team, I you know what though I am glad you have this take because it makes it much more interesting. But I've said everything. Yeah, well, no, even here. if he wasn't on my team, you guys know I liked him. Yeah. Like I didn't have oh, him on my team before we traded. So I I wish I wish I had like Montgomery somewhere and I could trade you one for one for Chubb. Like I wish you had Chubb and I could get him from you for Monty. I, yeah, well, I don't. So. <laughs> Tim. <laughs> Um, for for what? What are we even talking about? Eleven? <laughs> just just ten. All right. Well, eleven. I have Mixon, and twelve. I have Kareem Hunt. <laughs> oh my God! You're you're gonna have Kareem Hunt at twelve. This is gonna we're gonna have to have another podcast on these ranks because these, <laughs> these this second tier guys, you guys fucking took out a big dartboard and you just started fucking slamming darts into it. I okay. swear. To well, we're talking goodness. we're talking dynasty value, dude. Can I, Montgomery's can I... a couple years younger than Chubb. Kareem Hunt over Hunt? J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift is is very bad. Can I defend that hurts me Hunt? a little bit? Can I yeah, sure. It? Okay, yeah, that's well, it, he's twenty five years old, which is just as old as you know what three other guys that we already named. He in the last well in the last three seasons he's been a top ten running back twice, and he's off to a great start this season. He's already a number nine running back. And he's only very, very slightly being out-touched by Chubb. 29 touches to 34. But he has, you know, six catches versus Chubb's two. And people forget the guy was, you know, basically Clyde before, you know, he left Kansas. Completely well-rounded back. He's, he's sick. He's disgustingly talented. And we haven't seen the ceiling yet in this offense. The Browns had all off-season to scheme and see what they can do. And he's, he's already starting off at number nine. I genuinely think he's in for six seasons. So you so would how, take – go sorry, ahead, John. I was just saying, so how are you going to tell me that after you just said all that, he's not going to cut into any of Chubb's production? But what I'm saying <laughs> is that they, they both will produce. It's like you said with Zeke. Zeke might not get a ton of touches, but he is so good that with those – Yeah, but you, Zeke's getting more work than both of them. You said 12 to 15 touches. He'll get 12 to I said I'd be comfortable with that as he gets older. Okay, so right now they are getting 15 touches each per game. Okay. I think that's pretty solid. They're, and they're so producing you would say, with it. I don't, I don't disagree. Like, I like Kareem Hunt a lot, but I, just, like, in terms of ceiling, you, was, did you say Kareem Hunt was 11 for you or Joe Mixon's 11? Uh, Mixon's 11, Hunt's 12. And, yes, I, I, again, I completely understand what you're saying. I have Dobbins and Swift at 13 and 14. It's just that, uh, again, with Hunt, he's he's such a good talent that I think people forgot about that. And now that he's sharing the backfield, it's like almost, you know, those two years in Kansas City didn't happen. I, I think that this guy is so it's... talented and he will get you results right now. You don't have to wait for the organization to figure it out. You don't have to wait for him to get snaps. He's earning them already and he's producing I would... with them. My thing is he's kind of in the same – situation weirdly is like swift where swift is like going to be relevant because of his ppr floor the only difference is i think swift has a chance to usurp like adrian peterson's going away carry on johnson if they liked him they wouldn't have taken swift like different skill set like i like the upside of somebody like swift becoming a bell cow back more than i like what i think hunt's going to be and hunt's not going to be his own guy until he's 27 unless they trade him which i guess they could so like i really like hunt i just think like in this situation startup draft like i'm gonna take swift before i take somebody like kareem because i'd rather or even dobbins because i like their upside more but still you're you're talking about um you know being a bell cow being whatever but we're we're at we're at uh, number 12 here we're getting into you know 
Eckler territory with like you know production wise. Like who's going to be the number twelve running back this year? But then I, I want the that. upside. That's I, I want That's to fair. take the chance of I want to take a chance at the guy that can become Dalvin Cook, which is a guy like DeAndre Swift. Kareem Hunt would have to wait two years to get that opportunity again. Is my thinking. Yep, I agree with that. I was just going based on the production now. That's I I lean really fair. heavily on that because I know we talked about it last time, and I'm going to be really brief, but. Uh, in our startup draft, I went way too far with going to the future. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get this guy. He doesn't have too many snaps, and I think he's going to develop into something great. But then all of a sudden, I didn't have enough people that could produce for me right this second. And I think that he's young enough that he still can produce for a little while, and also he's talented enough that he can share the backfield and still produce. So, so you would trade – Well, you, uh, like we haven't even talked about Derrick Henry tonight, so you would take Kareem Hunt straight up right now over Derrick Henry. I mean, again, that's that's a hard thing with the dynasty rankings. Is in dynasty you have someone like Hunt and like some everyone on this list. They're going to be at least at the very, very, very least you're running back to for the next four or five years. But think about it: half the people on this list they're going to get out produced by uh, Chris Carson this year, probably. Yep. So yep. Th- that's you know th- that's where that. there's so- a disconnect. I do have a little note on Henry. Um, I've been watching him this year. He looks a little worn down already. I could see it. In in my opinion. I mean, last game, what, he had like 32 carries for like – did he even break 100 yards? Yeah, 80 yards. So, I, I've just been watching him. And he He's 26, and he looks a little worn down. So, I mean, Dynasty, I'm not going after him anymore, you know. But – Maybe I'll toss out one honorable mention, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. I think a guy who's going to be cracking the top 12 pretty soon is, you guessed it, Antonio Gibson. Oh, my God. (laughs) (sighs) All right, guys. It's it's been really fun, and uh, I've enjoyed Spicy Take Tuesday, as I anticipated I would. There's certainly enough debate here about our ranks that I think we could do another one of these, maybe for the other guys – either next week or later on with that being said. So just to recap, because I think we got a little fuzzy at seven through 12. Um, so my, my seven was Jacobs. My eight was Miles Sanders. My nine was Jonathan Taylor. My 10 was Aaron Jones. My 11 was Nick Chubb. And for tier four, which I'll just say my first guy, and it was Joe Mixon. Um, can you guys just say your, again, your seven through 12. Uh, yeah, my seven was, Jacobs and then Aaron Jones, Dobbins. I kind of had Monty and Sanders at 10, and then 11 was Taylor. Um, I had Jacobs at seven, then Chubb, Sanders, Cook, and Mixon. Okay. All right. We'll probably either hit this again next week or we'll, like I said, be doing another one. Boys, uh, have a good night. Yep, you too. You. Peace. Night.